everybody, and welcome to Chits and Chat. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Alex Cruzy. And today we are, what are we doing? We're, well, one of us is jet-setting with our stolen goods across the, la- the nation, the world. I think it's the world. I think you go to many worldly locales. Um, and trying to get away, and the other one of us will be chasing that person, trying to catch them before they can escape for good with their stolen goodies. In the game, Fugitive. I guess I could have just said, one of us is a fugitive. (laughs) 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 One of us is not. (laughs) Um, Yes, this is a two-player game that plays in... Board Game Geek has it rated between 5 to 20 minutes. That's probably right, I would say. It's pretty... Yeah, about. Um... And uh, designed by Tim Fowers, the great Tim Fowers, artist Ryan Goldsberry. They are a dynamic duo that keeps up on several of their uh, Tim's games. And it is published by Fowers Company, Fowers Games. Uh, he likes his last name and he uses it a lot. And fair enough, good last name. <laughs> Catchy. <laughs> uh, this is a, let's see, when did this come out? This is a, I, I for some reason always thought Fugitive was an older game than it is. This came out in 2017. But I've, I've just heard about this game a lot. I've just heard it bandied about and referenced. Um, not the least of which by you, sir, have mentioned this game several times. And so <laughs> we got to uh, got to play it, which is fun. So, yeah, you are, like I mentioned before, one of you is going to be the fugitive. The other one is going to be the, um, I don't know, Interpol officer? Or it is the marshal. The, mar- the marshal. Okay. Oh, yeah, of course. It's based around the... Yeah. Is it based around the movie, or is it just... I, I'm, I'm sure it took inspiration from the movie, at yeah. the very least. Um, right. Yeah. I don't think at any point in time you're required to say, I don't care, but uh, I, th- I think you should <laughs> at some point in time in the game. must But, uh, yeah, so anyway, it's very... Uh, there's definitely, obviously, this is not Harrison Ford <laughs> represented in uh, cartoon form. And Tommy Lee Jones either, but it is uh, it is a fugitive being chased, and the cards in the game all have little pictures of different scenarios of the fugitive being chased. And one thing that you pointed out, which I didn't even notice, which is really cool, is that Tim Fowers' characters from a previous game of his, Burgle Bros, uh, show up here to help the fugitive escape. And actually, the fugitive is one of the Burgle Bros characters as well. So, pretty cool tie-in there if you're paying attention to the art. The art's obviously typical Tim Fowers' um, and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ryan Goldsberry art team up style that uh, I, don't, I don't even know what the style of it is. It's like 60s era kind of like cartoon art. It's really cool looking. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, how do you play this thing? Let's get into that. All right. How do you play the game? First, you rob a bank. Then, no. All right. Uh, <laughs> so what's. <laughs> and, and you can never pay taxes. All right. Anyway, uh, what's going to happen is there's a, a deck of cards. Uh, they are numbered 0 through 42. Uh, the 0 card will be placed out in the tableau. This is essentially saying uh, the fugitive is starting at point 0, uh, or as the art it happens to indicate, is exactly the building that he stole something from, I guess. I'm not really sure. Uh, the... Fugitive player will start with some of these cards in his hand. He will start with the 1, 2, 3, and the 42 already in his hand. Uh, the goal of the fugitive is to get to hideout number 42, or, I mean, if you're going by art, location 42, but they are called hideouts in the game as you're playing. Uh, the marshal starts with nothing, uh, and the fugitive will also start with a few other random cards. Uh, the rest of the deck is split up based on the number, so there will be three decks. The first deck will have 
cards numbered 4 through 14, the next one 15 through 28, and the next one 29 through 41. Those are mixed up, shuffled, but separated into their own respective decks. The uh, Fugitive will then start with 3 from the 4 through 14 cards, uh, and 2 from the 15 through 28, and none of the ones from 29 through 41. This will be the, that player's starting hand. Uh, in On the first turn, the Fugitive will start, uh, and they basically on the first turn they'll draw no cards, but they will play two cards face down as the next uh, spots in the hideout. When the fugitive is adding a new hideout, uh, they can go a distance of up to three from the previous hideout that's there. So in the beginning of the game, it starts at zero. So the, they could play a face down one, two, or three. They can't go any further than that, although there are ways to do it. But for, for just playing a hideout, you can only go that far. <coughs> Uh, if you want to go farther, uh, a number of the cards have little feet marks on them. Uh, you will have either one footprint or two, uh, and that means that's how far you can sprint. Uh, so if you were, say, wanted to get to location five right out the gate, you would play the five face down, and uh, I think it I, I tend to play where you play it just below it, indicating how many sprint cards you've played. So you'd have to play at least either two cards with one sprint or one card with two feet on it uh, to allow you to get to that location. Um, or you could put more if you want to. You are totally allowed to bluff to make it seem like you went even further than you did, which can tend to be helpful because the less the marshal knows what the heck is going on, the more you're going to screw up their plans. Uh, and as I mentioned, in the first round, the fugitive will place two hideouts right out the gate, so he'll place one and then another one right next to that, both face down. <coughs> uh, sprint cards are also placed face down because the marshal does not get to know that information. Uh, that will basically end their first turn. The marshal then takes their turn, and on their first turn, they get to draw two cards, and when they draw cards, they can draw from any of the decks. They could draw two from one deck, or one from one deck, and one from another deck. They have a choice of which one they want to take from. Uh, the fugitive does not get to see these cards. The marshal is basically using this to know, I know that the fugitive has never been to these locations. And they have a little, um, tiny little notepad-looking thing with all the numbers 1 through 42 written on it, so you can make little X marks or circles or whatever notes you want to make on it. You have a little dry erase pen to go with it. Uh, so you are basically, you draw the two cards. Once you've done that, then you make a guess at the hideouts. Uh, you can make guesses in a few different ways. The one that you're probably going to use most is just guessing one hideout. So you'll just say, are you at, or basically have you ever been to, a hideout at location, say, number three? The fugitive then will reveal any hideouts that are at three. That This does not include sprint cards. Sprint cards don't count for hideouts. It's just the, the main one that you hide, hid at. So if at anywhere down the line uh, you have hidden at location three, the fugitive must reveal that and any sprint cards that went with it. Uh, if if they haven't, then they don't reveal anything. The fugitive is always allowed to look at the hideouts. It tends to help a little bit more if you can remember where most of them are. 
occasionally, if you have to look, you're giving away some information to the marshal. So it's, it's te it tends to be good to have a good memory. Uh, but uh, sometimes sometimes you just can't remember where you've been. You're, you've been to a lot of places. Uh, so uh, if anything gets revealed, that's the end of the turn. If anything does get revealed, that's the end of the turn. Uh, and then it moves back to the fugitive. The marshal can also make multiple guesses in one guess. Uh, but there's a risk involved in that. So for example, uh, you may be at multiple hideouts that haven't been discovered, and so the marshal will guess him, might try and catch up in a way and guess, say, Ooh, are you at locations 5 and 14? Uh, so you'd have to make all your guesses in one, and then the fugitive will, if you are at all of the locations mentioned, so in this case 5 and 14, if you are at both of them, uh, then both of them are revealed. If you are not at at least one of them, he reveals nothing. He will just say, nope. Uh, so you could have been right, say, at the 5, but you weren't at 14. Uh, and so in that case, you are getting slightly misleading information. So it's risky to do something like this. You tend to only do it when you are really sure about one, but you're just trying to catch up and get the other one. Although if you want to go you know, crazy, you can totally do that. But you get a lot less information if you do that and you don't know either of them. So. That's usually what it's mainly reserved for. Uh, then back to the fugitive's turn. Uh, a normal fugitive's turn is basically drawing one card from one deck, uh, and then adding a hideout if they so wish. Wish, not which. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> be really weird if there were witches in this. Uh, you if, so basically, you always have to move forward. You can't move backwards. Although there are events in the deck if you play with that later, but I'll get to that much, much, much later. Uh, and you must move forward. If you can't move forward, then you just don't play anything. If you don't want to move forward, you don't have to. If you have something to play, but you feel like you can finagle something different based on your cards, that's totally fine. But uh, the more you move forward, the more you get away from the marshal's prying eye. Uh, then back to the fugitive's, the, sorry, back to the marshal's turn. Their normal turn is basically, again, drawing one card, similar to the fugitive, and then making a guess. Uh, and it just goes back and forth like that until one of two things happens. Either the marshal has found all of your hideouts, which ends the game and the marshal wins, or the fugitive makes it to location 42. Uh, when they play 42, they will place it face up to indicate, hey, I've made it out of here. But the marshal does have a last-ditch effort to catch you, uh, possibly. If, I believe it's if you, the marshal has already discovered all of the hideouts up to 29, if there's anything higher than 29 revealed, uh, then the marshal has lost. Um, so the game ends immediately, the fugitive has gotten away. If they haven't gotten that far, say the, the highest thing they've revealed is a 23, then they have a last one-time effort to try and guess all the remaining locations. So they basically go through and be, are you at 13? If they are, they reveal it. I, I don't know why 13 wouldn't be real in this situation, but they have to do really, really bad. Uh, and then they go, uh, all right, are you at 22? Are you at 36? If at any point in time the marshal is incorrect with one of the guesses, they immediately lose and the fugitive wins. If they were able to guess all of the remaining locations, the marshal wins. And this is called, I think it's called the chase. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but uh, yeah, that's it. That's that's the entire game. There we go. Um, yeah, that is the fugitive. Um, this is this is a fun one. I, Tim Powers is so good at making pretty basic mechanisms more fun than they should be. <laughs> you know, what I mean, I feel like this game, in other hands, might have just been kind of fallen flat. And it's a combination of things. Like, there's more strategy here than you expect. Having those 
three different draw piles of the of numbers, so different blocks of numbers represented in three different draw piles, really creates some strategy options for both players. Um, the you know the marshal can try to cut the fugitive off the pass by going up for higher numbers and depleting that deck to give the fugitive left off less options. Fugitive can do the same thing or, or pursue um, lower options, which let them sprint more that are more useless cards, but they're going to use them just for sprinting, and they don't give any information away. So there's just a lot of really interesting options to explore here on both sides. Um, and the fact that the art, I mean, the fact that each card shows a scene in the the escape of the fugitive or the attempted escape of the fugitive is just so cool. It's that art is so great and that each scene is really funny and interesting and you kind of see him stopping for <laughs> weird things like pancakes. I love that he stops for pancakes going <laughs> and um, in the middle of the uh, the escape. Or actually, very early in the escape, he stops for pancakes. Yeah, it's like uh, location 15. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then 16, she's there yelling at the waitress saying she's half-eating pancakes. We didn't, we didn't even get to finish his pancakes. <laughs> wait for the, took a few bites and then took off. That's how close she was behind him. And uh, yeah, there's just it's just a fun, engaging game that you could expect from Tim Bowers. So this is a really fun one. I, I had a lot of fun playing this. Um, yeah, so I'm curious though, re-looking at and re-examining it as a takeout game. That is what I'm curious because you've you've had more experience with this game than I have. So I wanted to talk about what your experience is with taking this out. Have you taken it out? Because it's a bit of a table hog for a two-player game. There's it much smaller two-player games. But it, it is a bit of a table hog, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how, over, your experience taking out? I've always taken this game out. I've never played this at home or at a you know like a, a setting that is just made for playing games. I've always taken this out. It it doesn't take up as much space as you think. It really. It, right. The main reason is because as as locations get discovered, you can kind of fold things in on themselves and which it's a really nice thing about it um it's might be a little annoying to have to kind of slowly move things to the left type of a thing but it's totally doable uh the last we just played this a few days ago out we had a decently sized table but we also had you know food and things like that and we were slowly as we were playing the line of cards was getting longer and we were kind of bumping into things on the table and by that point we we're just like all right well just we've already discovered these first two, three, four locations. Let's just collapse those and then shift everything over. That's perfectly fine. So it is a bit of a table hog. It's going to take up some space. And if you don't like having to move things around as you play, that can be a bit annoying. But I think the, the game itself is is worth it. It's There's a, it, there's not a lot other than that middle line because everything else you're kind of holding in your hand or and the, the little dry erase that you are actually... I, I was keeping it under the table on my leg because you don't want the fugitive to know what you know uh, because then they might use that their, to their advantage. So it's 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 totally worth playing at uh, out at a restaurant or something like that. But it can be a bit frustrating if if you don't like having if you just like all right this is the spot for this this is the spot for this we're good uh then you might not like it but if if you totally don't mind just being like all right well we'll just shift this over here or we'll we'll loop this around type of a thing then then totally fine yeah yeah no i could see that it does have some some consolidation abilities but uh well and that's the thing too because it is it is, the vibe of it is such a fun game you know the cat and mouse thing is a fun theme to play with and it definitely feels like it'd be 
um, a fun one to take out. Like back in the day when they had them, and you could go to a bar or a brewery with a galley table, a long galley table. This seems like <laughs> a perfect game. Oh, yeah. And so um, if you have the space, I, I would see, you know, I can totally see this as, like, perfect. But I was just kind of curious if you how you ran into some issues with taking this out. Because it does, it, uh, like any game with a growing tableau, and this tableau can grow quite large, potentially, uh, or long, um, how that affected it. But, uh, but yeah, so other, other than that, I, I think that this really does have a, uh, it is a great, um, you know, it's kind of perfect in the way that cat and mouse back and forth were, you are just the two of you, and it is lopsided what you're doing, and so, and then, and then all of it is also about kind of, I don't know, um, fainting and hinting, and so there's a lot of like little bits of downtime or little bits of back and forth of conversations that are just going to arise through the course of the game. So this creates a real fun back and forth vibe in the game that I would I would love to just play this over drinks. Like I feel like, like I said, this is a great taking out game, and I could just see this be perfect over a couple beers or snacks or something like that. Um, all right, let's see. What else can we say about gameplay? Anything we want to talk about right now about that? Or should we jump into I mean, exactly the, how? As, as you mentioned, there are definitely interesting strategies. One, the one thing that, that I always... When I'm playing as the Marshal, and I feel like I play the Marshal way more than I play the Fugitive, uh, which is kind of frustrating because you're on the end of I don't know and I hope I'm guessing right, whereas the Fugitive is right. I'm hoping they're guessing wrong. So it's a definitely way different feels, and it's always interesting to have a two-player game with that kind of uh, asymmetry to it. Uh, but, like, I, I tend to take a strategy of I'm going to try and cut them off at the pass. I think the first few times I, I would always try and just always draw from the middle to just get... it. it it's kind of... Uh, middle ground because the further you go yes you have an easier time of cutting them off but you also know even less information about where they are right now which right. can really leave you in the lurch i think in the the game i played with you i had some good guesses and so i was always like one or two hideouts hidden with you so i was always kind of close and i i just got really good guesses in there and that's the the game i played just a few days ago with my wife i've had all the wrong guesses all the time so i was like four five cards deep and i'm just like oh no this is this is not i was always one guess off so i'd be like are you at you know are you at six no all right are you at five yes are you at 14 no are you at 15 yes i was like always i was always one guess away every time and it was driving me every single time and so i definitely use that all right well I, if they're not there then that definitely means they are at 15 so i'm gonna use the 15 and let's go with 32 and so things like that and it oh god it's when you're sitting there and they're they're so deep and you're just like please don't place a head out please hopefully i've i've taken enough cards out of that last deck that i can slow you down a bit and it it it, it worked but oh my god it, it came down to a point where it was a 50 50 guess and as as per usual i guessed wrong it was she was at location 37 and not 36 so i didn't win that game but it it was very close but with yours it was i think it was like just as close you in fact i think you said that oh you could have made it to location 42 had you used enough sprint cards but you didn't and i was i think it was like one or two off and i was able to kind of nail it down and i think i think i did make a guess because i think with you it also was between two but i made the right guess at that point so it's i like it's always seems to be close i don't think i've ever played a game where it was a complete wash on one side although maybe not some of the first few but i think that was because my wife 
wasn't completely understanding how it worked, especially when she was, no matter which role she played, I think there were, she didn't quite understand the, wait, one, two, or three away, does that, does that mean I add three to it, or is it three cards starting with the first card, and so she was kind of like mismatching it, although the, the game we played recently, she really, she really got into it, I think the last few times we've played the game, she, she was like, eh, whatever, this time I think she really got into it, sunk into it. She felt like she had some control over the game. So she re really liked that. And so eh, knowing what piles to draw from for, for basically either side is always a difficult decision. And the the last few games, I've been drawing real deep, but then I don't know what's going on. But if you, if you start early, then you can kind of try and make the game a bit shorter or at the very least, you know have way more knowledge about what's going on now rather than what, what's happening near the end. So it's really how you think about what guesses you think you can be making or what cards you're picking up based on, you know, other mitigating factors. And it's really interesting, and I, I like that. Uh, were you able to get any other... I know, I know we only played online for you and me, but were you able to look into the game anymore? Uh, I did some more research playthroughs. I couldn't get any more playthroughs, unfortunately. But um, so I do want to take a crack at taking the Marshall side. But yeah, I, I there is a bit of a strategy to figure out. And I speak. I think obviously, you know, I could see how you're playing the Marshall more often if you're teaching the game. <laughs> that is definitely the position to teach from. But um, yeah, I was I was struck by that strategy. Like I, it's it's interesting the limiting um, how how hours designed the mechanism to be limited like you know like you said three away from whatever location you're currently at is the max you can do just by getting there normally and then you can sprint but sprinting is also a bit limiting too because you you can play a lot of sprint cards but then you're going to probably run out of options pretty quickly if you're burning right. sprinting and you're going to give away information if they guess where you were so um it is so it's really fascinating design that it's just solid of sort of self-limiting yourself and kind of a medium pace is the i think the best way to go uh, you don't want to be just moseying through it but you do want to use sprints here and there but um uh anyway and of course that's my limited experience playing it so it it is fascinating to me how much more of a strategic choice you have here than it would seem and um, I'm, I'm glad to hear that the, your matches have been usually pretty qu close because it feels like it feels like it's really hard for the marshal to guess correctly. And I like I was just thinking from your side, like man, I would have no idea where I would be right here. But <laughs> this is my first time playing too, and so knowing the beats of the game, once you get maybe a play under your belt, you have a little bit more sense of like how the pacing is. And um, anyway, yeah, I, I I'm really excited to get more plays through of this um i think my wife would like this game i feel like it's a game that you can kind of play you can play it very intently and fo be focused but you can also play it a bit passively and um you know just sort of play it over discussion or something like that too so this is this is a really interesting one it's also one that i can't think of any other cat and mouse game exactly like this in size like one i really love is scotland yard that that original kind of old hidden movement game i still love that game that's such a classic and a good one uh, but it you know it takes a little bit more time and you need more people to play it the fact that this is two player right. and still scratches that itch is really cool and i can't really think of any other game that is exactly that embodies those bonuses of, of being a not not quite i mean we we reviewed what was it uh mr jack pocket before but yeah. 
that felt a lot less asymmetrical because you all you both kind of had the same options that's okay I'm gonna take this action which you could have taken had I not taken it type of thing and so you're both kind of playing the same game uh, it's just one of you knows it is yeah it, it is a lot heavier it's just like okay but if I do this and you're thinking like three moves out every single time you move and so it's like oh god what whereas this one is just like alright I just draw a card I have a little bit more, more information what can I do with information? What do I think? Do I do I think that the person I'm playing against is they're gonna make the biggest dart, or are they gonna hold back and make it me think I'm going really far when actually I'm a little bit further behind, and they're gonna waste their time guessing all these things that where I'm not at. And so it's 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 a lighter experience, but still thinky, but not so thinky you're like dying and you're like I don't I don't know what the best move like it, there's never a bad move any move is kind of a good move it's just they're probably a little bit better whereas with Mr. Jack Pocket there are definitely some bad moves you can make you can totally screw it up by choosing the wrong thing at the wrong point in time and so yeah this it, it, and it's way more asymmetric and I like I like that asymmetry you feel like you're more embodying that character. I definitely feel like I'm a marshal chasing someone down, whereas in uh, Mr. Jack Pocket, I don't feel that much different from the person I'm playing against, other than, oh, you know, I got a little hourglass on one of the cards that showed up, now I'm a little bit further ahead. You know, it's, it's right. yeah, and it works for this game, it works really well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, too, is if you like that, I, that asymmetrical cat and mouse of a game. This is so well designed for a small package. So really, really, really good structure um, for, uh, for, yeah, for scratching, scratching that itch in a game that I can't think of anyone that's exactly exactly like it. So, um, all right, let's get into the min the minutiae of the table, like actually taking it out here. So uh, what everyone has to deal with <laughs> if they are going to take it out. So, um, okay, if you take it out, the reason why I said like a galley table is the best way to have this table is because it is a long table and when you're sitting across from each other you typically have a long stretch between you to um, uh, fill some space as opposed to just sort of like a high top table around high top which seems like uh, uh, I don't know it's, it's hard to get games on those but um, so what you're gonna have is you're gonna have a few things in the game that you are going to sort of put wherever you want to put them wherever they can fit nicely but the main thing you're gonna have in the center is a growing tableau of locations that the fugitive has visited, uh, is currently visiting, and then um, there, yeah, that's just gonna be growing and growing and growing. And it's gonna kinda change each game because of how fast the fugitive is moving, how quickly they're getting through their locations, or how slowly. So conceivably, it could be pretty slow and be quite a long tableau. Keep in mind, there's zero to 42, or one to 42 cards here. Actually, there's 43, because there's a zero card um, here. And so I don't know. I don't think there's ever probably never been a game where the fugitive just sort of walked from one to another. But, but uh, you know, you're, you're getting into like potentially, you know, 20 to 30 cards on the table here um, total. So the, that is the main thing that's going to be kind of growing in the middle of the table. Next to that, and probably right near that, are going to be the draw piles. And that is something you can arrange above, on the side, below, wherever it's accessible to all players to draw from. You're going to have three stacks of the three number blocks represented that are, uh, they're not big stacks, I think it's 0 to 4, or 4 to 14, 15 to 28, 29 to 41 
are the stacks. So they're not huge stacks, but they are going to be on the table. And there is a little, uh, in the real game, is there a little cardboard stand or a little uh, board for those to be on? Or you just put them? Yeah, there's, there's a small little fold-out board, yeah. Yeah. So there's a little support for that, just to clarify what the number stacks are. And um, that is... Primarily, primarily the middle of the board. The other thing about the tableau that's going to be growing is not only are there going to be growing uh, in a row, there's going to be little columns down that pop up because when you sprint, you put those cards below that, or you can't. I guess you could put it underneath them. You can put it underneath. I tend to spread it out just because it causes a little bit less confusion. It's just like, wait, did I put yeah. the bottom? Was the bottom card the hideout, or was the top card the hideout? I can't remember. And so it just... That it, it also makes it a lot easier to, for the marshal to see, okay, they put two sprint cards so they could be up to this far away type of a thing. Yeah. Um, uh, so... That, so anyway, those are the, those are your main table things. In front of you is going to be a uh, hand of cards. And as the fugitive, of course, you start with some cards. You're going to be getting more cards each turn, or more another card each turn, and you're going to be playing cards. The marshal has the most stuff in front of them. They've got uh, their own hands of cards that they're drawing and get, taking away from options from the fugitive. They're also going to have the little notepad, reference pad, for the, where the fugitive has been, where they think he's going, and um, uh, what is it? It's it's where they've been, and right and wrong guesses. That's what it is. It's just right and wrong guesses. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can take whatever notes you want. The The version we played had little cubes you could place on things. Uh, in the actual version, you just have the, the small board. The board is actually the same exact size as all the cards, for the most part, uh, and you have a tiny little dry erase mark to go with it. Um, right, yeah, you're tiny little dry erase. Does it come with a good dry erase in the actual game, or is it a... Uh, I've had no problems with it, so I think it's, I think it's great. And, and, and it's one of those, it's a tiny one that also has a little clip, so if you wanted to clip it onto your pocket, I guess you could do that. <laughs> in between writings. Clip it in your pocket, and then, uh, then you're ready to go. Hands free. Um... So, yeah, anyway, so that's kind of what you're going to have in the table and then in front of you. You're going to have a few things in front of you. There are reference cards, too, of course, for the Fugitive and the Marshal that um, you can refer to. But it's mainly the Marshal that has kind of the most stuff. The Fugitive is going to kind of have a static amount of cards, uh, you know, drawing one, playing one, drawing one, playing one. The Marshal is going to be uh, have a growing stack. But once again, that's going to be, you know, just piled on top of each other and set aside it just so they can refer to what they know is out of the gameplay um, or not possible to, to get to by the fugitive. So not, not too bad. It's really just, I think that this is probably the game for, you know, a smaller meals and snacks and some drinks. Probably not. Like, I don't know. I always use pizza as the <laughs> analogy because it's like such a big center of the table food. But this is probably not the best game to play when you're eating like a, a ordering a pizza together. I just feel like it's going to be getting in the way. But the nice thing about it is because it's such a small, quick game that I think, um, I don't know, pizza's a greasy hand food anyway. You're probably not going to want to play a lot of games while no. you're mowing, stuffing your face with pizza uh, in general. So, Well, I mean, if you're playing with four people, you could just have the other people who aren't playing feed you uh, to make it a lot easier. So... <laughs> Hi, we invited you over for games, and by that we mean we are going to play games while you feed us. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to play this game, and you are going to give us food. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be the that'd be the ideal. If only we had friends like that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this is a uh, yeah. So it's so a bit of a bit of a table hog for its size and length, but 
but definitely not too bad. And where it, where it flips the tables on that, so to speak, uh, being like, well, maybe it's not the best takeout game, is the vibe. I think the vibe is just so fun in this game and such a good back and forth that it just feels like one you'd want to, you're hanging out like, hey, let's play the game of Fugitive, and sort of fits with uh, sort of the vibe of going out in general, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, okay, so would your mom like this game? I think, once again, I think your mom would like watching this game. I don't think your mom would like playing this game. I don't think this, I don't think this cat and mouse structure is something that she uh, would be into <laughs> at all. I'm, I'm surprised this is slowly turning into your, your ranking is, would she play it? Would she watch it? Would she not bother with it? <laughs> like, well, you're, you're, you're making my mom seem a little creepier than normal. <laughs> would she lurk in the kitchen? Peering over the counter, or probably the corner. Uh, she would not watch, but she would talk to you on a walkie-talkie from another di- from another room. Uh, you made a you made a wrong room there. Uh, no, my mom would not want to play this game. Uh, although I can definitely see her enjoying watching it. I could also see her making a bunch of quotes from the TV show The Fugitive or the movie The Fugitive throughout the entire game, along with the rest of my family. They would probably do that for the entire game. Um, probably mentioning hen houses. My would. Oh, my brother definitely. He would be he would be on his phone looking up more obscure quotes that he can't remember. <laughs> Uh, but no, there, there's too much thinking. There's, there's a lot of the game kind of requires you to pensively think about things. You're not, you're not thinking too hard, but you're kind of like, what do I think they're gonna do? So I'm gonna do the opposite, or I think they think I'm going to think I'm going to do that. So I'm going to do the thing that I was going to do originally because I think they're gonna think I'm gonna do the opposite. Uh, and don't think too hard about what I just said there. <laughs> <laughs> It makes sense, uh, but uh, yeah, she would. It's it's just a bit too too thinking, not enough. Ooh, although there there can be moments where you're making guesses that you're just like, oh, it could be worse. I think, uh, but uh, I think that's a bit. That's all inside. That's not happening outside. <laughs> leads into like who may or may this game may or may not be for is um, if you're not a big fan of the cat and mouse I mean the, for asymmetry there's much more intense asymmetrical games we mentioned um, uh, Mr. Jack Pocket that is an asymmetrical game sort of with uh, more much more in-depth gameplay and that's I think there's more of a more of a degree of like you either like that game or you don't this I think is pretty accessible to all players but if you really don't like the pressure of being like the marshal trying to uh, suss up what they're doing, or even the pressure of the fugitive and trying to escape and being chased the whole time. Um, then maybe you won't like this game, but it's so light, I really can't imagine anyone is so turned off by it that they're going to be like, this ruined my evening. It just might not be the game for them. But once again, like Tim Bauer's games are pretty accessible in general, and I feel like if you like games, at least this one's going to have something for you to try. You'd probably, you'd probably be interested in it, if nothing else. I think it's pretty broadly applicable to everybody, though, so I can't think of anyone. Have you ever had any plays that felt, like, really flat when you intro this to someone, or... I think... Really played? I think the first few games that anyone plays are going to be a little bit flat. I think the first few ones I did were a bit... But that was just us kind of getting to know 
the game itself. It's just like, all right, I, I feel like I'm making the right steps, but uh, I say by the at least by the third game you're playing, you kind of have sunk into the role because again, it's asymmetrical. So you usually will play one game and then you'll flip it around the next game because you want to see what the other side feels like. And in both of those games, you're like, ah, I still don't quite. But by the third game, you're like, all right, I see what I'm thinking about. I'm seeing what they're thinking about, or what at least what I would think about what they're thinking about. And I can kind of now make smarter, more wilier decisions, I guess, uh, as you play. So the first few games are going to be mm, a little bit, you know, a little bit less exciting. It definitely gets more interesting the more you play it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough, fugitives. All right. Well, I think uh, that is the fugitive. The fugitive. That is the movie. <laughs> that <laughs> that is the fugitive. <laughs> Not the fugitive. Not to be Not the fugitive. I, I did want to mention one thing. Uh, they, I, I mentioned earlier that there are, ev I, de I don't even know if I use the word, but there are things that allow you to kind of skirt some of the rules. There are events that you can use. Uh, they are, they are totally, we, and by we, I mean you and me, uh, did not play with those the last time we played. I did for the first time play it the last game. Uh, there are three different ways you can throw in events. There's a whole deck of, I think it's like 16 or 20 different cards that just have uh, events on them that help either one side or the other side or possibly whoever just drew the event type of a situation. Uh, they they suggest three variants. You can either have it where they're, uh, they have these placeholder cards that you throw in the deck, uh, two in each of the decks, and then whenever someone draws them, they just draw an event uh, and it's completely random it could help the other side it could help you or you know it could be not helpful to really either anybody depending on what the situation is um, there's also a, a one variant where uh, it is pretty much the same as that but depending on who's winning it will it will definitely always help the other side you basically split the event decks up they they label which ones are neutral and which ones help whose side and you split them up and based on how many hideouts are be, have been revealed or actually how many hideouts haven't been revealed uh, it you'll draw from whosoever respective deck if it's right in the middle you'll draw from the neutral if the marshal is winning you'll draw from the fugitives helping deck or if it's the other way around you'll draw from the marshal helping deck uh, the variant we played me and my wife just recently is the discovery mode i think is what they call it uh, and this is the marshal has the entire deck it's it's the whole thing shuffled together uh, and anytime the marshal correctly guesses uh, on a on the hideouts whether that be one or multiple they will they will then draw one of the events, and that event will resolve. Now, this tends to favor the fugitive, because those neutral ones tend to just favor whoever drew the card. So that means the fugitive is, has, I'd say, like two-thirds chance of being helped out in this particular case. Uh, so it does make it a little bit harder for the marshal. Uh, it, it was definitely frustrating when we were playing, because every time I'm like, God, this really helps them out. It was like, oh, you can, anytime you play a sprint card, it counts as plus two. So it, whether it was a one or a two sprint card, it is a two now. Or, oh, you can double back now to make it even more confusing as to where you are. Or now you get to peek at one of the cards in my hand. And it's just like, son of a, this, this isn't helping me. At, I think one of the cards helped me. And it was, I think it was a barking dog, which required that they must 
play a sprint card and that kind of slowed them up a bit because they by that time they didn't have much of a hand because they had been actually throwing a lot of cards in for sprints uh, to kind of throw me off and so they had to I think there were one or two rounds where they were like no I can't play anything yet nope I can't play anything yet and so that that gave me a little time to catch up so it the the events essentially what they do is they add a little bit of uh, randomness into it so if you feel like every game is kind of the same or you're just like well I don't like that all the rules are kind of as strict of I'd, I'd like to go back or I'd like to be able to and it it adds a bit of like ooh, well you know now you've got f somehow found this boost or it makes it feel more like oh I don't know what's gonna happen either way like I'm, I'm in a jam right now but there could be an event that saves me right at the end so I, I, I actually kind of like it I, I had avoided it for a long time just because I didn't really I'm just like no I like the, the pureness of it uh, I don't I don't mind the events even though they weren't helping me at all they they definitely made it interesting there there were so many times I was sitting there going, no like every time she struck I'm like this is totally gonna help you isn't it this is gonna help yep yep that totally helps you I'm screwed I'm never going to be able to pull this off and I was still pretty close uh, uh, but uh, yeah I liked it I really enjoyed it oh cool yeah those uh, that one thing I love about Farrah's games he always includes something to you know mix up the game like there's always yeah. a mode that he throws in to make it like here and try this if you're you know if you want to <laughs> it's always yeah like, or yeah, here's here's some alternate characters you can play with or here's some other some more events you can throw into this stuff and yeah he always he always has ideas for other things to add to it and i like that i i feel like some other publishers just go you know we'll just save that as like a small expansion or something like that and i i like that he finds ways to go you know what this might be too much for an original person or a starting person. Let's throw that in if, if you want to. If you feel the need to do that, throw it in. And that's always a nice to have. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a cool thing. It definitely makes his games worth... I mean, they're great games, so well, but worth the value... or good value for the money for uh, what he includes in the box. So uh, I am waiting for Burgle's Bro, Burgle Bros 2 to come someday, eventually, in the future, hopefully. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tim Powers, but uh, well, that should do it then, I guess, for the future of everybody. I think we both agree this is really one to check out. Um, I, you know, I haven't looked if how easy this one is to get. Uh, I know you can still get it. Actually, no, you can still get it at Powers' website, I believe, directly from. Oh yeah. Um, and so easy, pretty easy to get. I, I, you know, I think it's still fairly, fairly priced. I think it keeps his games fairly priced, and they're they're all kind of continuously in print varying degrees so definitely still something you can get your hands on and really worth it uh this game and other Fowers games his other games i don't can't think of anything that's probably fits the takeout game series i, I mean maybe uh, paperback possibly uh, but that takes up that ta i'd say that takes up more space than this one uh i think there's another one i haven't looked into too many of them i've heard good things i think it's called the getaway which might be similar to this but I, again i haven't played it so i don't know how much table space it takes up yeah but uh but all those games are really great so this is a nice one to be able to do for this series and um check out and uh show, tell you guys about so all right everybody well that will do it for us i in lieu of a slogan today i'm just going to uh wish america and alex a happy birthday because it is alex's birthday today and Yay! It comes out but <laughs> in retrospect, you can wish happy birthday thoughts to Alex and America. Um, 
But uh, I hope you guys are all having a good fourth season or fourth uh, holiday and uh, are able to at least get a little reprieve from the quarantine and all that and get out and get some sunshine or at least have some fun. And uh, we are going to try to do that ourselves. So until next time, thank you so much for listening and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye.